Hi everyone, and welcome to Queer Reflections, the podcast where we discuss queer representation in our visual media, past, present, and future. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and support this podcast. To find out more and follow along, see at Queer Reflections on Instagram. If you like what you hear, please think about leaving a review on your podcast provider. Hi everyone and welcome to this next episode of Queer Reflections. Thank you for listening and thank you for messaging about the podcast. We're getting there slowly through season two. Life's pretty busy but we're getting there. Hope you're all doing okay and having a good September. There's some really exciting things coming up for the podcast, for kind of personal projects and I'm back to full-time teaching so things can get quite hectic but there's some really exciting things that I can't wait to share with you all. Today I'm joined by Rick Yale, he is an actor based in Cardiff, and this interview took place around June this year. At the time of the interview, he had just come off from shooting Ed Rowe's latest short film called Mab Hoodle, which means magical son in Cornish. Mab Hoodle is a Cornish language film, and it's also a queer short film, so I was massively excited to talk to Rick, um, knowing that this film was going on down in Falmouth, where I studied. Uh, really exciting to see kind of the dailies coming back, the dailies as in uh, seeing photos on sets, and I'm really excited to see it when it comes out. Mab Hoodle is playing at London Film Festival this year. It's also in Encounters Film Festival. But the best thing to do to keep up to date with what's going on with the film is to follow Kernow King on Instagram. That is K-E-R-N-O-W-K-I-N-G underscore. That is Kernow King underscore. You can also follow Rick Yale at Yale Rick. That is at Y-A-L-E-R-I-C-K. All of this information is in the show details, but for now, let's get on to the chat with Rick. Hi, Rick. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thank you. Um, Busy, but active and ready to go. What have you been up to lately? A lot of work. Um, Yeah, kind of running the restaurant, uh, doing bits and bobs, working out a lot, getting ready for holiday. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm very jealous of your holiday, I must admit. There's part of me that wants to go back to Disney at some point. Are you, not, are you just doing Disney or are you doing Universal and everything else? I'm not doing Disney at all. <gasps> okay, okay. Uh, my auntie lives there, so I'm going over with my mother for two weeks and then Grand Canary for a week, so I'm having a full-on... Are you like flying back to the UK and then going to Grand Canary or is there... Well, I kind of messed it up because I, I forgot about time travel, time zones difference. So I arrive at 9am in Heathrow and I've got to get to Bristol by 4pm to fly to Gran Canaria. That's doable. You could do that. If there's no delays. <laughs> um, no, I, I have faith you will do that fine. Yeah. What are you planning to do in Florida then? Um, I think it's going to be a bit of eat, pray, love. Just chill in. Yeah, I just want to relax. Like I've been super busy this year. I'm a bit burnt out, so I'm just really looking forward to... Catching up with my auntie, just doing the whole beach vibe and eating well, and I'm going to do CrossFit over there and see how the Americans do it. Okay, okay, that's interesting. We tried to do the gym when we were out there, and um, admittedly it was like a gym within a housing thing uh, state, but yeah, I think we felt very... Well, at that point, I was a very chunky guy. (laughs) (laughs) A chunky guy? (laughs) Yeah, and also I wasn't eating enough. Like, I would literally have a Wendy's $4 meal deal at, like, midnight after my shift, and that would be pretty much all I ate. Yeah, I mean, it was really good, and it was... I didn't earn much money, uh, but I also walked maybe 20,000 steps a day in Florida heat. So, I, yeah, literally just lost... I was skin and bones by the time I came back, and then I put it all up uh, back on with COVID. Yeah. So talk to me about your acting specifically. How did that come about? Well, I kind of, kind of, well, it started in high school um, and it was a way to get out of PE. (laughs) Yeah, because I was terrified of PE and sports. And so it was kind of after school clubs and it just kind of just started off as, yeah, a bit of amateur dramatics. And then I just really enjoyed it. And I thought, oh, wow, this is a bit, 
this is a bit of me. This is a bit expressive. This is a bit. I'm allowed to be quite emotional in these classes, and this is really and it's, and it's actually you know applauded <laughs> rather than just running around a rugby pitch. Yeah, and then I kind of I don't know my classic thing. I had a really great teacher who kind of yeah he just kind of looked after me and he really nurtured yeah what kind of skill that I had and he saw something in me I guess and he kind of he helped me apply to like drama schools and things and really pushed me and I just yeah I kind of just I went to drama school then for four years in southeast London and I thought yeah this is definitely a bit of me and I guess I've been doing it professionally if that's the yeah what you can say since like since like 2014. Um, You recently worked with Ed Rowe right? Yes I did. How was that experience? It was great. It was really great. Obviously, it was a Cornish language film that we did, and I don't speak Cornish. I don't even speak Welsh, but it was a similar dialect, and I kind of have a little, obviously, dalliance with it in GCSE Welsh, so I was able to kind of, yeah, use some kind of knowledge of it. But no, it was, it was a really great experience, and I, I'd, oh, it was, it was beautiful. I'd never been down, down south, so it was... Not been down to Cornwall before? I've not. I can't say I had, and I don't like pasties, and they were forced upon me. I know, and they were they were mortified because that's all they had for break time. So, I think I think I. Oh no. Yeah, they don't have vegans down there, do they? <laughs> no, not really. Well, Falmouth is really good for vegan food, I must say. Um, like really good for vegan food. Uh, way better than Exeter. Um, so whenever we go down, we just there's a place called sloth and sparrow if you ever go to falmouth it's an amazing vegan food and it's like all vegan so you don't feel like guilty about being <laughs> whispering into your breath like the vegan one flues <laughs> yeah do you know what i mean um so that yeah that was that's amazing so i would definitely recommend that are you drawn to cornwall in any way is cornwall something that you would you would visit if you more projects in cornwall a hundred percent i yeah definitely i'd go back um we, I had to do well. It was a scene we had to shoot in the in the sea at like eight a.m. and I think I nearly died from freezing to death. But they all love it. They all love like morning cold water swims. The nutters. Yep. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's beautiful place and it, yeah, definitely a bit of me. So I definitely would love to go back. It's a bit of a trek. It's like six hours on the train, but. So you're Cardiff right now. Yeah, I'm Cardiff based. Yeah. Um. So that was a gay story, right? It was. It was a a gay story. But it had, it was a rugby gay story. Yeah, I think it was about the main character obviously struggling with his identity and sexuality. And I played his uh, partner who was just a little bit more comfortable in his skin. And the main character had a farm to run that was left to him by a, a bit of an aggressive dad. So, yeah, it was just kind of looking at, you know, that age old thing of toxic masculinity and inheriting that toxic masculinity and... Yeah, transferring that into the world we live in now and all these traditions of rugby and men and supporting your family. But um, yeah, I think it was... I think and how was that kind of experience for you? Is that something you could kind of tap into or...? Oh, absolutely. Like, I grew up around that kind of rugby mentality. I remember, especially with my dad, and we would always be at the rugby club every weekend and he was very um, adamant that he wanted me to join rugby. And, it, and that environment is is still prevalent in Wales and it's still yeah something that's in my blood and definitely uh, like in my in my sister's kids they do they do a lot of rugby and there's always still that rugby mentality but it's funny it's like it's still you know when I'm in in my in town if it's a match day or something and you know and it's, and it's full of these men and they're all screaming at the tv I still have like I still wince at this kind of really aggressive macho and it just takes me back to being a kid and being absolutely petrified of these really burly drunken men and yeah, it's funny, but um, yeah, definitely related to it. Yeah, I, I I can totally feel that sentiment as well. I think I don't know. I've never really been into sports. I grew up near uh, Peterborough, um, so there was always I can't even remember what that is. Peterborough City. I feel like it's Peterborough City. Like, this is me. I generally don't know. Yeah, but like I grew up with uh, an older brother that loved Arsenal Football Club and. Uh, a dad that very much liked that and I felt like I've n never been able to engage in football conversations ever um, and it's all often even at work people talk about it all the time and especially with, uh, was it the World Cup or something last year not a clue again <laughs> yeah, <I'm the> same. <laughs> it was something last year again not a clue but it was like 
all of the conversation and I would literally walk into the room and be like, can someone just watch Drag Race so I can talk to you about Drag Race? Because that's that's my World Cup, right? (laughs) Give me something. Throw me a bone. Yeah. I just like, where is the way in? So... Yeah, I definitely kind of feel that. But both of the lead actors in the film, both obviously yourself, were both gay actors, right? Yes, yes, both openly gay actors. How, yeah, so like, how was that experience? Do you think it kind of informed what was going on? Is that what Ed, Ed wanted? He was very keen to work with queer artists. Um, I, remember the, I remember the casting calls specifically saying that. Yeah, and I think, uh, do you know, it's, it's such a... I have this conversation with a lot of actor friends of mine Anyway, because there is this kind of... And I, I remember writing my dissertation on this about should gay actors only play gay and should straight actors only play straight and does it actually matter because we're acting at the end of the day? And I, I, it's, 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 very, it's, it's a very subjective thing and I think there are certain circumstances when you have to have some sort of um, real-life experience, I think. Yeah, I think it's the nuances. I don't know. It's very... Yeah, it's very, it's very tricky... My my only problem my problem is that gay actors don't really get a lot of parts anyway, and then when the gay parts are taken by straight actors, I think that's when I do get a little bit tetchy. And also, when straight actors play gay, it's often applauded as being really brave, <laughs> like we're some, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a risky, yeah, uh, yeah, like it's it's going to affect their career. Exactly. And a lot of actors obviously were like, yeah, but we, do, we don't want to be out of a job. And I'm like, but it comes a time where you have to you have to step back and go, but those roles are there for those people who are much better and it's okay. Like, you know, I get sent, you know, scripts and things all the time to do certain accents or certain things. I'm like, just, just get a really amazing Scouse actor. Just get a really amazing Scottish actor. Like, I can do an accent, but... And I, obviously I don't want to turn down work, but I mean, sometimes you just go, well, there are, you know, there are amazing actors who... That is their life, so just use them. It's gonna be, it's always gonna be more authentic, I think. But I don't know. It is, a, it is a tricky one. I just, yeah. I, I guess it's, it's, it's good that we're having more conversations about it. And yeah, I feel like I, I, I'm currently like kind of writing, some, writing something. Why well, I say writing something? I'm working with a, a writing partner. Um, well, she's written it and I'm directing it. But we're both kind of queer creators and. I, I don't know, I feel like there's something, I don't know, safer feeling in that, which I think, so like when we are crewing and casting, eventually, I think, yeah, we're going to really try and go for kind of as many kind of queer voices as possible. Yeah, so I think that that's really important to me. And I think, yeah, you're right about nuances. And I remember writing about transgender representation film at university, specifically around the Danish girl, because that was, that just came out in my like second year of university. And... I remember talking to my lecturer and being like, well, any representation is good at representation and and this whole conversation. And I think it's Harvey Fierstein who says that, that any representation is good representation, even if it's awful, when we don't have any. But yeah, now looking back on it, I, I would be like, why did I think that that was like good representation? And And I think you're right. It's about that kind of, there are trans actors out there. There are queer actors out there. That could be... And I think that that's the issue, you know, with all the voice actors that were playing kind of uh, black roles in uh, animations. And I think, yeah, I think that a lot of people were like, well, it's an act, uh, like a performance and everything. And it's like, well, yeah, but I think what people maybe don't connect is that actually it's the availability of those roles to those actual people. Yeah. Because equally, I'm always like, with with the, the with with queer art that is out there, I'm also super critical of that. I think it should all be up for debate, and I you know I'm not so pre- you know I don't see a, a queer film and go that was amazing because it was queer. I'll criticize it if it's crap. Like it, it's all about us being equal in that sense. Yeah, I think as long as we're critical about it and maybe have a conversation, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, and I maybe it's the well, I often say that the fact that this podcast exists and we can talk about this says that we're not necessarily as far along as we hope and what that kind of is when I started this podcast a year ago and asked the question kind of what was your first queer representation and most people had an answer and I was like you wouldn't be able to say the first heterosexual kind of representation you saw in media because do you know what I mean it, it's 
there. Um, whereas we have really kind of tangible experiences that are really kind of deeply affecting. So it's really interesting. And with that, let me ask you that first question then. So what was the first representation you saw growing up? Oh gosh, mine was quite a, a full on one. So it was definitely, I think I must have been about 11, probably younger. And it was, it was Queer as Folk. Um, I remember sitting on the sofa with my sisters and all her friends who were a bit older than me. And it, yeah, I just remember this 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 first scene. I don't even remember the series. Do you know what? I don't even think I watched the whole series. I can't even remember. But I just I just remember the first episode of, obviously it was a very sexually charged, um, vivid, quite, yeah, out there episode. And I remember it being really exciting and really scary and also that combined with all my sister's friends being like oh my god this is disgusting uh, and me joining in going oh yeah this is this is disgusting but I can't turn away and just being absolutely I don't know like just it was a full body experience is all I can say and yeah it was sexual and obviously I at that age you don't really know what that means or you know what what that feeling is you just you know you're, you're excited <laughs> essentially but i'd say yeah i'd say that was definitely a very vivid to the point where yeah i can remember the exact room i was in i can remember what tv it was on i can remember who was sat with me so i guess yeah i think that was my first introduction to to yeah to queer media and and possibly combined with a few gay storylines in eastenders i would say Okay, so yeah, that's interesting. And I think those soaps are often the place for kind of those storylines, sometimes problematic ones, but yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, I think Queer of Folk uh, is quite a, a big one. And it's really interesting kind of you had that r- response from your sisters. And the whole like, I've been talking about uh, this to a couple of people at the moment is the idea of assimilation and the fact that like, we want to be ourselves, but also at what cost and like, we're, we also want to assimilate into dominant straight culture. Yeah, so the fact that you kind of participated in, in that conversation and like I would have done the same. And the same with me, I think, is that I think I was so anxious about being gay that I performed masculinity to toxic kind of levels. Yeah, and was almost like just like gross uh, in terms of kind of how I described the female body and like female pop stars and stuff. And I was like, this is not me really. No. So I, th- I think that's really interesting. It's like a, a response to that. Do you think that there's like a, another significant media text that kind of helped you along the way more so than that kind of that instance? I think, well, I think that was obviously quite a sexualized version, but um, I was a massive Buffy fan. I still am. I mean, I'm saying I was like, <laughs> literally to this day, I probably watch the series every year. I did know that because you um, you said once more a feeling recently on a, a recent Instagram post, and I was like, I know this person. <laughs> <laughs> I connect with this animal. I know him. No, yeah, totally. And obviously, that really beautiful gay storyline between Willow and Tara. I think that was my first experience of. I don't know, seeing a happy gay relationship seeing a, a, a functional, seeing a fully rounded um, gay relationship, like that definitely impacted me. But on the other hand, then, I guess my, an early experience as well is like Graham Norton, Julian Clary. It was kind of, it was these always, it was always the two sections of, of, of gay representation. You had, you know, the dark, sexual, down an alley, highly sexualized version. And then you had the really flamboyant, talk show hosts there was never an in-between there was never this yeah we had like Dale Winton or yeah Julian Clary yeah and they were okay because they were funny you know it was oh they were we could like those because oh they were just funny they were they were camp flamboyant and bonkers but they weren't a threat because we we were like oh they're, they're, they're funny gays and then obviously on the other hand you had you know the the creatures of the night which were ooh they're they're dirty you don't do you don't you don't bother with them so it was a really weird yeah it was it was a really weird time to go but i I don't see me anywhere (laughs) when did you think you first saw yourself on tv then what sort of elements of yourself oh god 
do you know what? It's quite embarrassing. I, well, not embarrassing, because it's, it's not my fault I haven't seen myself on TV. <laughs> there was an amazing series I saw on HBO. It was called Looking. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, I know of the, the series. Beautiful. I just, I was, I, I don't know, I don't know why it resonated with me, but it just spoke to me because of how every day it was. And just ugly in the sense that it did show it, it wasn't this pretty picture or this hypersexual it was just an, it was just normal guys trying to figure out their place in the gay world and just just adulting and just going about their lives and i remember being like oh okay i, I can i can see myself in this this yeah especially turning 30 it was definitely like oh i can see yeah i can see a little bit of me in these characters yeah i think that was the, the first time i was like yeah <laughs> And I remember watching it with, again, one of those vivid things, just me and my dad. And my dad, I don't speak to him, whatever, but he was definitely a, a bit of a, not a bit of a homophobe back at, well, probably still is, don't know. Um, but I, yeah, I have very vivid images of him having reactions to gay men anyway and like shouted at the radio and if there was ever any news about it. But uh, yeah, again, this vivid image of just me and my dad on the sofa watching Brokeback Mountain and then that scene happens. And I just remember being like, oh my God. <laughs> This is, this is, this is magic. <laughs> this is just like, what well, obviously at the time I was mortified, but now looking back, I'm like, oh, that is beautiful golden, like karma. And I just remember him being like, what the? F- <laughs> oh, genius. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, what do I think of the film? Do you know what? I haven't seen it for so long. I think it is definitely something I'd like to revisit again, but I'm a beautiful story from what, from what I can remember and again there was just such a passionate romance to it that yeah was again something I'd never seen before because yeah you had this you had the sex scenes but it was two men who were really in love and that was again was like a nice healthy thing to see obviously quite a devastating film but there were moments of yeah yeah and I think that it was growth yes from kind of that sexualized scene yes there were obviously those elements but I, I don't know I mean, it's hard to kind of ignore those sexualized moments because I, I mean, that's kind of, I guess the fundamental difference is that attraction and therefore, but yeah, I know what you mean. It was like a fully fledged kind of story Yeah. that, yeah, I remember being really, really meaningful to me as well. I definitely remember watching the kissing scene for a, <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It just felt real. Uh, I don't know. I just, I think I was just so not used to seeing that representation of a relationship that was, yes, it was very kind of hidden and the whole thing is about them kind of struggling with it, but it was very much, oh, that's a possibility to kind of find a Jomina relationship like that. Not necessarily with that toxic masculinity layer, but very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so other than looking is there any like particular t- stories that kind of helped you kind of understand your own way through oh god through my through my through my journey um so like what what age did you come out if you don't mind me asking uh i was 21 um i just moved to london and we just started drama school and i remember thinking this is it i'm going to move to london I'm going to come out because this is a perfect opportunity. Brand new start, new city. And I remember the first night in halls, meeting all the fr- all, like meeting all my classmates. It was drama school. So I was like, this is even more perfect. I can come out here. It'd be lovely. And we did that usual thing of ring of fire and it was truth or dare or something. And it was like, truth, Ricky, are you straight? Are you gay? And I just went straight. And it just came out of my mouth. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crap. Like, that was my chance. But actually saying that it kind of i did american theater arts for a year and we and one of the one of the actual um uh, the, the block the subject blocks was uh, queer theater and it was mind-blowing because again it was my first taste of you know looking at amazing beautiful queer artists and plays and we watched amazing films like yeah and it was i, I guess there is when i really fully invested in in I guess in understanding myself a bit more and yeah, I think it was, it was, it was a lot of Tennessee Williams that I read that really helped me 
get to grips with. I, there was just something about his work that I, I, I identified with. It was the loneliness in it that I was really connected to. Um, so I think that was something that really helped with my journey was actually plays rather than... I th- Yeah, I think what you've just said is, is poignant because I felt that I avoided whether a queer culture for for the longest time and I, I teach students now of 16 plus and I was marking one of their courseworks uh, last night and the whole coursework theme is about prep and it was all all very much about or had the feeling of like queer ballroom scenes uh, so it was like a music video shot like that and I just uh, we, we like give it amazing marks because it deserves amazing marks but I just turned to my colleague and I was like this is so annoying. <laughs> and he and he was like, why? And I was just like, this kid knows exactly who he is at like, at like 16. And to me, that's just like mind blowing that he's not going to have to spend years unpicking stuff. I know. <laughs> I know what you mean though. It's not like, it isn't, it isn't like, I hate you. God damn you for knowing yourself. But no, it, it's true. We, we have something in Cardiff, um, in City Centre now called the Queer Emporium which is this amazing um, initiative and it's local queer artists come together and they create stuff and they have like drag shows every week, but it is such a beautiful safe space. And I do go in there and I go, God damn you. Like you, I never, we never had this. Like you literally just, yeah, but it is a beautiful thing, but you're right. It is that kind of, Oh, you lucky. Yeah, no, like I'm absolutely thrilled and to, to like, to have a student that's that switched on to stuff, even sometimes more switched on to stuff than, than I've ever been. Is there a, a, a particular character that stuck out to you? And it could be in plays or... Uh, there's a character in um, The Glass Menagerie, Tom, um, and he was this... He lives with his mum and his, his sister, um, and he, again, their father's left, and he has to kind of be the man of the household, but he's full of such creative passions and I yeah I just remember reading that and and he has a really mundane job and he really doesn't want to do that job he wants to like yeah just 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 be out there and experience life but again he has to fit into this this masculine role and I don't know there was just something really beautiful about that about us having to suppress things and I just yeah I just connected with it and a lot of like I said a lot of Tennessee Williams's work I don't know he just I, I always feel like I'm a very quite a lonely person and I I, I I also think queer people in general have more of an affinity to loneliness because I don't know we we well I do know from my experiences because we we we've touched the darkness a little bit more and we we're kind of brought up with the knowledge that somewhere in the world somebody thinks that we shouldn't exist so it's like we're constantly constantly whether we believe it or not we're we're seeking validation we're seeking a space in this world and I think that has an effect on your psyche more than we realize yeah and even like validation from yourself as well like yeah which absolutely yeah i mean when the whole the whole world kind of is against you regardless of whether things have improved and things have improved don't get me wrong but uh but like i don't know about you i like google where i can go on holiday yeah do you mean things like that i which i don't think oh absolutely things yeah, people don't realise. Yeah, things have come a long way, but, you know, I, I challenge anybody else to go, you know, when you walk into a room, do you do a quick scan of the room and, and make sure you're in a safe place? Do you adjust your body position and the way you hold yourself? Do you change your voice? Do you lower your tone? Because I do all those things, or I... Do I not hold my hands like this? <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> yeah. Is that not... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it's a hundred percent. Like I'm off to Florida in a minute, and of course they've just passed the don't say gay bill, and I'm going. Is that going to be an issue when I'm chatting to my auntie's friends? You know, we we're constantly assessing our surroundings again, whether it's conscious or not. I just think that's a part of us forever, and we're constantly coming out as well. Every time I sit in the barber's chair, or the taxi driver, I'm constantly waiting for that question, and you go, oh, it's like being ten again, and someone going, you gay? It's, it is. It's just. It's, it's constant um, and I guess people don't realise that <laughs> it's funny isn't it oh yeah how how do you think you're going to be in Florida what's are you, are you generally concerned about kind of things or is it I am I am concerned I've, I've been there before and there's been a few occasions where I've you know been amongst people who just have completely different opinions and obviously it's 
it's a bit of Trump country and it's a bit of obviously religion is a big thing there. So I don't know, but I'm I feel like I'm I'm grown enough to hold my own but also just go, Do you know what? Some things just aren't worth worth my energy. I'm there for a good time, but also I'm not afraid to challenge people. I don't know. It's a, it's it's a it's it's a funny one. It is a funny one, but I definitely am aware of what I'm going into. Yeah, I'm, when I lived there, I used to get asked a lot whether I wanted to stay, and my answer was always no. <laughs> and and they'd be like, "Why?" And I was like, "Because outside of the Disney parks, it's a scary place to be in Florida." And yeah, it's a lot of checking. Kind of, are you safe? And it's really good that Disney have kind of bowed down and uh, on the and kind of su- supported the anti bill stuff, um, but the the state of that state is scary. What's the most problematic representation you've seen? One that really you're like, oh no, I don't like that. Oh god, mine's gonna be very controversial because. I really found issue with It's a Sin. And I know everybody loved it. <laughs> I know, like, but just hear me out. Like, I just, I just, I just thought that they took something, like, they took, they took the AIDS pandemic and they, they turned it into a, an episode of Friends for me. <laughs> to the point where everybody's like, I'm the Richie of the group. I'm the da-da-da of the group. I don't know. It just made, it just, it just didn't sit well with me because the characters weren't they weren't fully rounded, especially the minority characters. They just had no backstory and their their goal was there just to be present. And I don't know, like even the female character in it, it was just her, her, her role was to be the nice female who supported them all. And it was like, but where's her? Where's her nuances? Where's her? I don't know. I just, I, I, I did struggle with that. And I, I it was important. Don't get me wrong. Like there were some really beautiful moments in it and... I don't know, there was just a few things that were off for me and, and Colin being the dopey Welsh one. Like, come on. <laughs> I don't know, it was it was it was a bit stereotype and very very veneer for me and Okay. I don't know. I don't know, that was just a a reaction I, I had to it per se. But I I, I, I just think in, in general the, the problematic like the gay best friend, the the just the general, just I just I just think we're we're so past that kind of pastiche now. I think I don't know. I'm I'm just excited to see more, you know, functional, happy, domestic relationships. I'm excited for that, and I'm excited for not everything being about sex. I I too agree about kind of sexualized content, but do you think that's kind of useful as well to see those? interactions i i'm only asking about kind of how how was your kind of sex education around gayness does that even exist or i think that's maybe that's kind of my my age talking there my bitterness talking i i i agree i do obviously we need to see all 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 of it we need to see we need to see sexual relationships absolutely i guess maybe for for me and for my generation or we had we had like i said before we had that dirty back alley representation but because there was no sexual education that's all we had so it was kind of that on or 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 nothing so i guess for me i always have a bit of a oh why we've always got to show the really dirty violent you know (sighs) rough sex that apparently that's all gay people do is we're just going around shagging each other i don't know i just yeah the the sexual education was zero zilch absolutely zero and yeah so it was all learned you know via the internet porn (laughs) well i didn't have the internet when i was around so it was all via word of mouth or just yeah just hearing about the gays who live down the street and you know they did like yeah maybe that's kind of my own hang-ups about it maybe because i never got that education i i i grew up and i still have hang-ups about sex and i kind of I, I kind of maybe project that when I see things on screen. So I think that's definitely um, a product of my my upbringing, definitely. But I do, it's, of course it's important and and needed and I think it should be celebrated. But, but I just wish they'd, there was more, I don't know, just more A to Z of it, not just the sex part. 
but you know the lead up and actually what happens if my libido isn't high what happens if sex is a bit uncomfortable and awkward you know and they did they, there was moments in it to sin where it was you know very true to life and, and a bit messy and all you know all that stuff and i i think there needs to be more of that but i don't know i don't know there was something something a bit off <laughs> about it to sin and i i think the message and what it was obviously important like we I, that's a story that could be told a thousand times again. I just, I don't know if Russell T for me could have done a lot. It just seemed very earnest and very, this is safe for straight people to watch. Yeah, again, and uh, it's something I've spoken. Straight people won't find this offensive because, oh, we've got a funny Welsh character. It isn't he really, oh, I love Colin. Like, we don't need to be safe anymore. Like, we can be, can be ugly. We can be messy. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point when we think about making queer content we usually are making it for what a straight audience uh in those things and i i've spoken to drag queens who say that their performances change massively if they're straight people in the audience so yeah no i i guess i guess that's very true i think that is definitely um i think that's something that has that has happened a lot more now though and to speak of you know the lord rupaul that's i think even that has become a bit more straight washed. I think it's a very nice little package that straight people can enjoy now, which is great, and I want them to, and it, and, and we should. Yeah, there's just a there's, a there's a thing that's happening at the moment. I remember being in the gay bar the other day with my friend, and a very lovely elderly lady come up to us and said, oh, "Do you watch RuPaul this week?" And I said, "No," and. She didn't know what to say to me because I was a gay person who hadn't watched RuPaul. And she was like, oh, well, that's all I've got to say to you. Bye. Like, it was very, yeah, it was very, really, like, it was quite cute. And like, oh, but at the same time, I was like, oh, no, like, that's, that's, that's our vocab now is, oh, the gays love RuPaul. It was, yeah, it's very funny, but. I just hearing you talking about gay bars thinking there is no gay bars around here. Is it not? It's awful. No, it's really bad next to, it's really bad in the Southwest, really. We used to have one in Truro. Falmouth doesn't really have no, it doesn't have. Basically, there's no Plymouth as the scene. Okay. But like, no, nothing in Exeter. Mm, we have three here, which isn't great, but obviously better than zero. But also, I think I'm getting to the age where I'm like, I don't necessarily want a nightclub. I want like a a queer bookshop. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I just want to go and have a coffee somewhere that like feels safe to be queer like that's not I don't know Costa I absolutely no I, I I hear you I definitely hear you I'm at the age I'm like I want to go play queer D&D <laughs> do you know what I mean oh funny yeah hi everyone I just wanted to take a second to talk about our sponsors this season at Ethos Made Ethos Made specialise in making eco-friendly, sustainable and non-toxic coconut wax candles on the northern coast of Cornwall. Recently they have released a prideful collection with three pride flag inspired candles that smell and look amazing. And even cooler is the fact that a portion of the proceeds goes to specific LGBTQIA charities. There's a traditional pride flag candle with proceeds going to the Say It Loud Club, whose work helps LGBTQIA refugees seek asylum in the UK from countries where you can be persecuted for being a member of the community. There's the trans flag candle, which supports Gendered Intelligence, a trans-led and trans-involving charity that works to increase understandings of gender diversity and improve the lives of trans people. Their vision is a world where diverse gender expressions are visible and valued, and where trans, non-binary, gender diverse and gender questioning people live healthy, safe and fulfilled lives. There's also the Lesbian Flag Candle, which supports the Kaleidoscope Trust, who work to fund, fight for and empower those upholding the human rights of LGBT people by working with governments, change makers and civil society organisations to effect meaningful and lasting change in the lives of LGBTQIA people everywhere. Each candle is a wonderful refreshing scent called Pomelo and Pink Fizz. They provide extensive burn times, they last around 50 to 55 hours each. The scent is a nice, sweet fragrance that mixes sparkling champagne with sweet grapefruit, rhubarb and juicy watermelon. You can find them at ethosmade.co.uk, that is E-T-H-O-S 
E-T-H-O-S-M-A-D-E.co.uk or at their Instagram at ethosmade. So that's at E-T-H-O-S underscore M-A-D-E. And remember to quote QR at the checkout to get 10% off your order. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our sponsors. Now let's get back to it. Saying that though, recently you went and did something at a club, didn't you? Oh, dancing in a club? Yeah, how was that? Do you know what? It was definitely one of those bucket list things. I've, I always wanted to be a go-go dancer. Do you know what I mean? It was just, again, it's, I think it's one of those things from the 90s, just be like, I, I wanted to be Britney Spears' backup dancer. If I can't do that, I want to be a go-go dancer. Yeah, I mean, snap. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a mixture of things. I think... Had I done it 10 years ago, I would have been a lot more insecure about the reactions. But it was this really, yeah, it was a lovely thing. It was in Bethnal Green, it was a bistro tech, and it was like, you have a meal, and then at 10 o'clock, all these go-go boys come out and kind of dance, and we get up and do a disco. And it was it was, it was was great. It was led by an amazing drag queen called Amanda Pear. And I loved it. Like, I loved dancing anyway, and I just danced for me, and it was just very... It was great. It was good fun. But on the flip side, it was, it was very... There was very toxic homosexuality, let's just say. It was just a bit... Yeah, okay. Talk, talk to me about that. What What do you mean? It was just... And I don't want to say the London gays because I don't I don't believe in segregating. I, it was just... It, it, was a, it was a mixture. It was just... There was a vibe and it was very like, if you don't fit into this box, what are you doing here? Like, it, I don't know. It was just very... It was, it was, it was, like I said, it had, I, had it been 10 years ago and I had a little bit thinner skin, I think I would have probably run off crying. But I was... I don't know, I guess I was just celebrating myself. I'm 32 and, you know, I've, I've been exercising a lot and I've been looking after my body. I just wanted to just own it and just dance these disco songs and, and lose it. But I think there, there was just a lot of energy around that was very like, we're, we're the muscle queens and we're pretty and we can't have fun. <laughs> don't have fun. Be pretty. I don't know. It was just, it was, it was a mixture of things. And then I went to... um. A club afterwards and it was just full and I'd never I'd never I've never been to like a harness club where everyone's just buff and beautiful and 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 it was in t- it was quite intimidating <laughs> I mean yeah I I it's a matter it, for me it's one of those things I'd want to do but I can imagine when I get there I'm like oh this was better as a like a, a fantasy yeah it, it was I mean I, I did love it and I I Funnily enough, that there was a lot of women there who were like, "Oh my God, we had so much fun with you because you were just having fun." And I was like, "Oh, thank you." Like, I I don't know. I've experienced a lot of, I keep saying it, toxic homosexuality. Quite a lot over the last few years that have really impacted my um, my confidence. I'd say. Yeah. Do Do you think that's like masculinity, like impacting what it is to be gay and like? Uh, yeah. I, I I. There's a really weird fashion not I don't want to call it a fashion it's just a really weird thing at the moment where I think maybe it's because we've become so not so equal but it's almost like misogyny has entered the gay world or the queer world I went to Manchester Pride last year for the first time ever and again I had this amazing idea of it and I was like this is going to be great but there was at least two or three guys that came out to me throughout the two days and couldn't wait to tell me that my god it's such a shame because you know you're very muscular but my god you're camp and there was another, you know, thing on the dance floor where I was kind of dancing behind my friend, and he was like, "As if you'd know what to do from that position." It was just very like ugly, and I actually ran off crying, which is really embarrassing. But it just it got me. Nothing wrong with crying. Yeah, no, not at all. I fucking I love it, but it just it, it hit differently because I was like, "Oh no, this is supposed to be a safe space," but now this really weird toxic masculinity where you have to be a certain way is now entering here and making us turn on each other it was I don't know it was just it was a moment where it really it really knocked me I have to admit yeah I think um I'm very cautious about this and it's very good that we're seeing a variety of representations in terms of we're not getting kind of a camp uh gay representation but if we get these lad gay representations yeah great because like i want i want there to be that representation but i'm also concerned that those toxic masculinity traits will as you say impact the gay community and they i mean they always have but like i think a lot i've unpacked this recently in my head about kind of you know how every gay person's like are you top bottom verse or do you know what i mean yeah and oh don't don't even like that is I think that should be eliminated from the gay vocabulary, if I'm totally honest. I think it is so 
regressive and it just it's it yeah we could i could spend another 14 hours talking to you about that so so i was speaking to a, a friend of mine who's a gay woman and she was saying she kind of told me the whole history of tops and bottoms um which was really interesting um and then i was telling her about where where this idea that is the top that gives pleasure and is the bottom that receives pleasure and i was like it's interesting recently i've read actually it's the bottom that's giving pleasure <laughs> and then like and like or just like it feels good for both like who who gives a fuck if it's do you know what I mean one or the other but yeah the gay world just seems so hung up on that and i think what's really interesting is that that that's now transferring into heterosexual relationships where people are kind of using that language and it's it's just very odd to me and it's like it's 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 just it's it's dangerous because what started off as being a sexual position is now an identity like the amount of times i go on twitter and these guys going good morning bottoms and it's like what what are you we're not a race they're not like it's it's a weird but all it is is it's if you break it it's just misogyny because you know they're calling you a bottom they they say that you're a bottom because you're camp because you're feminine which means you're like a woman which means women are lesser it's it's just a really weird I I yeah again I could talk to you for hours but also like like it's super redu- yeah and it's also really reductive uh, in terms of just because you maybe prefer kind of the top position doesn't necessarily mean well I don't know play but do you or is it just is it again your 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 fear of homosexuality coming out, we're going, well, I have to be the top because then that means I'm less gay. Like, it's you could unpick it. Yeah, like... Yeah, it's not gay if I'm giving. <laughs> it's just weirder than you... Yeah. And, yeah, that, that's just mental. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's really interesting to unpick. And also, like, mask for mask and all this other stuff. It's, like, it's all built. But the saying that, that's, that's what I'd love to see on the media. I'd love to see these discussions, you know? I'd love to see two guys having an argument about being called a top and a bottom like let's let's explore that let's 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 really like look at look at that let's now we've you know we've got um you know more opportunities to show gay characters let's have these discussions let's show gay characters being horrible to other gay characters like let's get the full round picture mate let's we're not all you know rainbow flags and rupaul it's you know there are really nuances in there but yeah and 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 you're right there i think because of maybe the plight that a lot of gay people have been on queer people trans people we almost uh, some well sometimes presented as the nicest character in the world and i know a lot of people who are like a gay but also I was about to say Tories, um, but <laughs> um, but like, <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? Like, really problematic, transphobic people, uh, racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Homophobic gays. They are. They exist. Like it. It just. It just is. And it's. And you're right. Of course. Like we've had very limited time on the airways. So now, obviously, I, I, we don't want to show us to be absolute assholes all the time. But I just make that makes us human like we make mistakes as well and we have really backwards thinking i just that's what i'm excited about you know i think it was russell tovey who recently said over the past few years thank god i was a masculine gay and he got a lot of flack for it you know because he's right like he he's he is that mask for mask dream now you know and uh, you know and, and queer baiting is such a big thing now i think cock in the west end has just had taron edgerton and the guy from bridgerton Again, two beautiful straight men, which you know for a fact is 100% queer baiting because this is gay men go, oh, I love the thought of two straight guys getting off with each other. Yeah, and it's literally called cock. It's li- exactly like the marketing genius behind it. They're like, oh, the pink pound is going to be coming through. Like, I, d- I-, I don't know. It's just, it's, 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 it's a funny one. But, but you're right. Like the amount of articles, you know, that I see is, oh, these, these gay actors coming out as a bottom how brave they are and you're like what oh i don't know it just it baffles me but that's it but i i guess i kind of understand in the sense that early like earlier i said about me thinking that being gay changed how i was in my gender in terms of masculinity that is a lot of to unpick and so like I, i can understand it from that perspective but like the reality is who cares it doesn't who who cares <laughs> uh, yeah yeah who really cares and 
Do you know what I mean? And that preference, it, I don't know, like who who wants to be like, I I am a top forever. <laughs> but this is what I mean. Like we're so, like we change all the time, but also like it baffles me, right? Like I've walked into a, like, you know, if, if you're chatting to someone, like I, I have friends who go, I can't talk to them because they're a bottom. And I'm like, what? Why would you deny? But you like them. You like them. You're interested in them. You find them attractive. You find them like, yeah, I know, but it's just not going to work. I'm like, but you're you're limiting your interaction with a human because of a, a sexual position, which you might not want to do anyway. Like, it's it's just it's 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 funny. <laughs> and and also in that something that my uh, like lesbian friends have said to me is that why do you think that sex is penetration? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you keep referring to sex, but like oral and all these other things and i was like oh yeah yeah you're right i'm very sorry and actually i mean just because you don't have to do penetration to be having sex no but again i think that comes from media representation because that is all we are shown is guys going down an alley or guys on a field just spitting in their hand and cracking on you know it's like that that's that's it again because there's no representation across the board of you know but I mean even in terms of straight relationships the majority of straight sex scenes we see is penetration yeah yeah of course of course um do you feel like representations are moving forwards for for kind of your perspective as an actor as well do you do you feel like you're getting scripts through that are more progressive mm oh mm Good question. Really good question. Yes and no. Like there is, there's, there's sometimes I get scripts through and I go, oh my god, you've nailed it. You've nailed this feeling, and then they, yeah, then I do get scripts through where it's like, fit gay guy with six pack who's slightly camp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I, had, I think I had an audition come through for Hollyoaks a few weeks ago, and it, 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 you know, the first line was, camp flamboyant social worker, and you're like, oh, who wears loud, vibrant shirt. You're like, oh come on. I do think it's getting better, and I think it's getting better for uh, the younger generation. You know, there's 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 loads of amazing um, queer representation on at the moment. This heart stoppers everyone's gone on about. Again, I've not seen it. I've not seen it yet, but my students keep asking me to watch it. I will watch it. There we go. Like and sex education. Like there's 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 great great stuff out there. Is there rep- is there representation for me? Uh, uh, where I'm at in my life probably not not since looking for me was that kind of there's there's great stuff for coming of age sexualness and then there's 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 the kind of lapse but again there's there's nothing really I, I I don't think for the the older older generation um I but yeah I, I think there needs to be more of that middle of the ground middle-aged just trying to figure out life when you're no longer you know 18 and finding yourself what happens when you found yourself a little bit more i'd love to see more of that i think yeah i think there needs to be more i mean even the fact that ed rowe directed that that piece in cornwall is major to me because i mean i i moved to cornwall when i was 15 and although i was out i felt petrified to kind of be in that space even though lincolnshire wasn't exactly the most progressive place in the world it was again farmers but yeah i mean that that's massive to me that there's a film being made that is kind of talking about that in in Cornwall. So yeah, th- thank you for being part of that. <laughs> yeah, no, but then as I said, I, I I have to admit, I forget there are those kind of small victories. I'm very bitter. <laughs> I think, but that's just me. I'm very very pessimistic. But you're right. There are those small victories where you go, oh yeah, like that wouldn't have happened even five years ago, and I'm really really happy that that's that's going on. So yeah, you you well done. You've reminded me that there are nice things in the world. <laughs> that you were in one. <laughs> I was. I was in one. That was nice. <laughs> oh god. So in terms of, I know we've spoken about queer as folk and the reaction with your sisters and kind of her friends. But was there any other things other than kind of your your dad and brother Mountain? How did kind of family take it? And do you think that the media fueled? that negativity in terms of your dad maybe or yeah i think like do they take what queer media or me coming out or just everything like do you think the representation of uh gay people on tv or the lack of it 
impacted anyone in your family negatively? Absolutely. I think, obviously, my mum and dad were byproducts of the 70s and 80s, which is very interesting because, like, my me and my mum are, like, best friends and we're super close, but I was still petrified to tell her because, I don't know, there was just this universal language of it was wrong. Even though my mother was, like, really involved in, like, the new romantic scene of the 80s, which was highly queer anyway, like, Boy George and, like... Uh, Depeche Mode like it was you know men were wearing makeup and wearing frilly things it, you know it's, it's quite funny but I yeah I, I guess the lack of representation or the representation just being negative definitely had must have had an impact on them and again no education the unknown dad growing up in a, in a rugby background with this toxic masculinity um, yeah I just I do I, I I don't know it's a funny one because obviously I want to you know speak highly of my family and go that I'd like to attribute it all down to media and lack of knowledge but I don't know I think it's a mixture of things and I think we've we all we all grow and we learn and even now there's there's still things that I you know we we bring each other up on and educate each other and you know especially with trans awareness and and, and queer lives in general like me and my mum have ama- amazing discussions where she gets very confused about things and but I love that. I love that we're not afraid to ask these questions and feel uncomfortable and get it wrong. I think it's important right now because I think we have a culture of we're so scared to ask any questions for risk of offending. We don't. We don't learn. Um, so I'm very proud to say that I I, I now have a great. I always did, but I have an even more um, a healthy, supportive family unit where we do have really frank and open discussions about things. That's amazing. What was your because your dissertation you said was about um, being out no playing ca- gay characters yeah yes my well it was it was the question I asked in the dissertation was does being openly gay affect your acting career okay well that's exactly the question I want to ask you <laughs> hey good one yeah it does like have you have you always been out in in your acting career y- y- yes personally but there is definitely a professional level where if i'm going up for a straight role i will i will change myself i will enter that room as as a straight man as much as i can i will adjust my voice i will adjust my tone i will adjust my hip movements and my hand movements and there was a, it was a i did a short film like two three two years ago and it was playing like a really like a scally welsh lad from um who was like an army boy with his brother and I, it was amazing director Hardy Spite he picked me he was he was really he was, he loved myself take whatever 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 and I remember like being like he can't find out I'm gay he just can't he can't this was like two years ago um, he can't because it's gonna he's, it's, it's gonna change his, 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 his thought of me and I remember driving back in the car and he just said oh so your boyfriend's from Brighton then Rick and I was like <gasps> he's like oh yeah I've been on your Facebook like and he was just so that was my like my prejudice against him going there's this guy who I know he's going to hate the fact that there's a gay guy playing a, a scally straight but he didn't even care like he was just looking at me as an actor but I think that definitely comes from oh, just the amount of times I used to step off stage and people would be like oh my god you've never guessed you were gay and I'm like is that what you were looking at that's you were waiting for me to slip up why like what is why why but I guess like that's what I have carried through into my acting career of going I can't because I do think people are a lot stupider than I Like, they just will. As soon as they know you're gay, they can't get it out of their head. They just can't. You know, they just... They, they can't. You know, typical case of, of being Neil Patrick Harris in How I Met Your Mother. People are like, what? He's gay? And now they know he is. It's like, they go, wow. Like, it's... I, I, and that's why I think we don't... We haven't, we haven't come far enough on, is... Once you know that about an actor... Um, yeah, and and I, I I do I do definitely think being open it does still have an effect on your career. I, I do. I really do. Like, does that affect how you pick roles as well? Then, in terms, do you think about whether you you are safe to be you, or is that something that comes into play? Yeah, I mean, I've been funny enough. The majority of the characters that I have played have have just happened to be gay. I'd say like 90% of my career has been playing gay characters so I don't know is that because people don't think that I can perform as a straight person um, 
did it for 21 years so i don't know i, I think there's a there's a wider discussion to to be had on that yeah it's a it's a funny one but i do definitely you know when i speak to other openly gay actors and we go yeah like i do i do change my voice when i enter a room i do watch how i you know address people because i don't want them to, i don't want to give them a reason not to cast me because i'm gay um how did you find ed set was that uh, like a safe space oh absolutely absolutely like not even a question it was just it was beautiful it was lovely and it was a great couple of days it looked it i was i think i was i don't know i think i was teaching and i was like this looks so cool this is like because i spent four years at Falmouth university i was like oh my god this is happening at Falmouth university this is so cool so yeah that's why i first kind of connected with you because i was like yeah this is amazing so yeah and to have uh laura canning work with you uh who's one one of my favorite lecturers at the uni incredible uh so my last question to round us off is we've kind of hit upon it but just to kind of round us off what do you want from representations going forwards both as someone watching and in terms of acting and acting roles Mm, good question yeah again like i touched on it i just want to see i just want to see fully rounded and realized human characters regardless of sexuality i just want to see yeah, I just I just want to see humans on that screen going through the everyday, even the mundane. Like that is sometimes the most beautiful thing is just watching two people struggle in life, <laughs> and and yeah, I that's that 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 is something that I I definitely wanna yeah wanna see and also wanna promote. Like I wanna that that's kind of the work that I'm interested in is is just telling earnest, honest stories about people just just people who are figuring out we haven't got all the answers you know and and just because we're gay we have a community doesn't mean that 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 means that that, that's it we've we've figured it out we've ticked the box but yeah i just i want to see i know it sounds really cheesy and really just normal but i just want to see everyday people just interacting and being better and also being ugly and everything in between so i think just more of a spectrum and i think that that's important yeah no i would agree with you have you ever thought about writing i do but i'm i just have the attention span of a gnat like i do i i'm <laughs> i've written some stuff and like i i have a few days where i kind of blur a lot on pages and then i've just i've just not got the confidence to follow it through so my kind of I've I've been working on a a dance show. I did it about two years ago. It was like a, a one man show called Dog, which is all about loneliness in the queer community. And that's something I'd like to pick up again because I just find that easier for me to 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 create. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I I I'd definitely send you a little clip of the stuff I did because I think you'd be interested. In it. Yeah, um, because like I touched upon, like I'm a very lonely person. I don't mean I'm alone. Like I just I feel intrinsically lonely, and that's just something that I think will carry with me for the rest of my life. But yeah I, I i that's how i kind of get my creativity out is by moving rather than sitting down and writing but hey, i'm a bit of a lazy actor i just want a script tell me where to stand i'll do it but um no i like i know i could sometimes come across a bit hopeless but i am i am very hopeful and i'm excited by what's what's to come and i just think we need to sort out a few uh, not a few but quite a lot of weird things that are happening in the community and i think if we can get if we can go back to a place of absolute love for each other and tolerance for each other, I think we can we can start seeing that on the screens a bit more. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that we're in a in a time where politics and, and I think is in such a divide and everything's pretty much in a divide, you're either one or the other in turn and I think yeah, how do you break down those those walls and Yeah. I'd like to say I'm hopeful that sometimes when there is great unrest, from great unrest comes amazing art liberation. So hopefully we'll have that happen again soon, you know. But yeah, but we'll see. But yeah, in a nutshell, I'd love to just see more, <laughs> more everyday people on the screen. Okay, Rick. Um, where can people find you? What do you mean? Well, Monday to Friday, I'm in the cafe. Uh... <laughs> Um, I'm on Instagram at Yale Rick, same as Twitter, Facebook Rick Yale. Yeah, I'm around and about. A few things on YouTube, but um, 
And what are you, what's the next project? Do you know what you're working on next? So there is, an, again, amazing choreographer called Alex Marshall Parsons. We did a little R&D a few weeks ago, I think it was in February, and it's called Home, and it looks at two two gay guys in a relationship. Again, that kind of domestic thing of owning the house together, what it's like to have a relationship, that relationship breaks down. A movement piece, so no words. Um, so hopefully we've got some interest in that, and that will be happening in October. And it's kind of the way it's set up that it can kind of tour around outside spaces, so like car parks, foyers. Yeah, so that's hopefully the next the next project, and also getting back on my project of dog. Thank you so much for talking to me and obviously I'll stay in contact and keep you up to date with stuff. And yeah, please drop me a message anytime. It's always great to talk to you and yeah, amazing. Thank you, Rick. You're welcome. See you. Uh, and have an amazing trip in uh, Florida and the Grand Canaria, yeah. I will. I'll let you know how it all goes. <laughs> Hi everyone, welcome back after that podcast interview with Rick Yale. I just wanted to say again, massive thank you for Rick for coming on the podcast to talking to me. You can find his details at the start of this podcast or in the show details. Rick touched on some really interesting texts such as HBO's Looking, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, some Tennessee Williams. His kind of exploration of queer people having an affinity to loneliness is something that's really interesting to me and something that I definitely want to explore in the future. The idea that there should be ugly representations of queer people as well and the whole toxic homosexuality thing I think is is a massive growing problem and we need to address misogyny, any kind of hate crimes uh, towards any sort of intersectionality within the queer community as we go forward and as we develop. And I think that's really pertinent is that no one is void of criticism and we need to be aware of how we behave and how we act. Even as gay people and queer people gain more rights, there is always people that we need to look out for in terms of minorities. And we need to handle such issues with sensitivity and kind of openness. Again, I'm really, really excited to see Mad Poodle when it comes out. I hope to make the trek down to Penryn to watch it. It means a lot that there is a queer film being made in Cornwall, in Falmouth, where I grew up from the age of 15. And I think it also puts my next project, King Henry, in stead and will be among good company. In future podcasts, I hope to explore the pre-production and development of King Henry, along with Nat, the writer. But for now, I will leave you and see you on the next podcast. Take care. Bye.